black preachers who are, are racist in their hearts. Uh, they, are, they are not called by God, but they've been called by their mama. The Jesse Lee Peterson Show is the only program in existence which deals straight up with black Americans. So-called civil rights leaders want them angry, dumbed down, and demoralized. It's not the leaders that blacks need, but good fathers and mothers. Welcome to the show. My name is Jesse Peterson. Thank you for tuning in. I am, uh, my guest today is Pastor Chris Connor. He is a pastor of Lutheran Church of the Risen Lord in uh, Midland, Odessa. Odessa, Texas. Thank you again for coming on. I'm glad to be here. I do appreciate it. Um, I have to tell you, this is my first interview, if I can remember, with a white pastor. Really? And I've been looking forward to interviewing white pastors because a lot of the things I hear, I don't know if they're true or not. So I really want to understand it from this interview. Uh -huh. And so for that, I'm grateful that you would come on. Thank you. We have some more lined up, too. You're not the only one. You're just a friend. <laughs> you're making history. Um, Lutheran, how is that different from Baptist or Catholic or any other religion? I think uh, Lutheran was the first uh, Protestant movement and that may be how it's different. Uh, in fact, uh, the founder of Lutheranism was a monk named Luther who uh, had a problem with the Catholic Church, oh, and okay. he was a priest. And, but he, uh, he founded a movement that was based in uh, uh, this idea of freedom that we have uh, in the Gospel and in Jesus. And that's what the name Lutheran actually means. It's a Greek word that means to be free or freedom. And his name was Luther, and he changed it to Luther because oh, yeah. he wanted to rename himself uh, in the name of uh, the freedom that he had uh, discovered in reading the letters of Paul and other, other scriptures. And uh, you do believe in Jesus as being the Son of God. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. You have to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And all. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. At your church here in um, Midland. Odessa. Odessa. I better write this down because I won't forget. In Odessa, um, you're the head of the church. I can't really, you look so young. I'm the senior pastor. Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. And do the older, the elderly people, they listen to you? Well, uh, they listen to me as, as much as I uh, uh, pastor them, you know. Right. I think it's a reciprocal thing. As much as I minister to their needs, they listen do to me. Do you counsel them like one-on-one -on -one uh -huh. or family counseling too? Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. Are you married and yep. have your own family? Yep. I had, my daughter was just born on uh, uh, June 3rd, just a few weeks ago. Really? It's our first child. Yeah. Congratulations. Let me ask. Um, I want to talk about... Um, how, what, how do I want to go with this first? I think I, I've always wondered, what do white ministers think when they hear black ministers and other black people saying that the most racial divided or segregated time it's on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. Times are on Sunday mornings. And they say it's because white preachers or white people don't want to fellowship with blacks. When you hear that kind of stuff, what do you think about that? That uh, the quote you just said, that Martin Luther King Jr., he preached that. I think that there's... Oh, he sure did. Yeah. Maybe that's where they're getting it from. <laughs> that's a, You're right about I th that. You know, uh, that was in one of his uh, uh, famous sermons. And uh, there's a lot of truth to it. Uh, it is true that in the United States, uh, to some degree, maybe to a great degree, depending on where you go, that uh, it is true. The most segregated place on Sunday morning uh, uh, in America is church. 
And it's unfortunate. It really is. It is it because whites don't want to be with blacks, or is it there's something else going on? Well, I think it might. It, it's a. It, it might be a variety of things. I think there's a larger issue going on. Uh, there is a there is a sense where the white church has uh, uh, has traditionally um, has traditionally not met the needs of other cultures for one reason or another. And why do you say is there a primary reason that white churches have not met the needs of other races of people? The pri uh, the primary reason would be uh, uh, issues of racism within white congregations. Really? Yeah. I was I was under the impression that, you know, you tend to. Uh, my grandmother always said, "Birds of a feather flock together." Mm -hmm. So you tend to hang out with the people that you live around all the time, or you know, your own race, or because you you know you grow up that way. And so on Sunday morning, you tend to go to the churches in your area, and if your community is predominantly white or black. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, that's where you're going to end up. Oh, it's true. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a race thing, a racism. Right. No, what, what you're saying is absolutely true. When I talk about racism, I talk of like a larger problem. It's the way that we've come to, uh, uh, you know, uh, patterns of behaviors that we begin to get into, um, fears of people who are different than us um, and that kind of thing. Are white people afraid of blacks? Uh, I, I'm, I, <laughs> I'd have to speak. <laughs> you're asking some good questions. Uh, some people are, yeah. And, and white ministers are afraid of them too. Some pe some white ministers are. And why? What are they? What are they afraid of? <clears throat> I'm not sure. Um, I think that there's uh, so, so, some of the things that I hear some white ministers talk about is uh, being reminded again and again uh, that they're re they're responsible for the split up between races and that kind of thing. Oh. And I think that that bugs some uh, some pastors. They are afraid of being reminded of that. Afraid of being reminded of what uh, went on in this country and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe not necessarily being uh, uh, afraid of being reminded of it as much as uh, having the sense or this feeling of guilt, not feeling like they can do anything to change it. And... Uh, and uh, hearing the insistence, uh, you know, that you see on TV and the media right. and that kind of thing, that why the responsibility they, rests with them. Why do they feel guilty of something that they're not guilty of? How do you mean? Most white preachers are not guilty of black people's situation. They have never owned slaves. Right. You know, they, they, and most of them, I assume, are not racist. They don't really hate blacks, do they? No. Uh -uh. So why do they feel guilty of something they're not guilty of? Why do white Why do white preachers feel guilty is something that they're not really guilty of? Right. Is a really good question. You know, there's uh, there's kind of a culture of guilt with some uh, churches. Um, do you, Do you guys just Do you discuss this with other white ministers? Yeah, we do. Uh, and and what do they say? I mean, do you have, Do you feel guilty? Do I feel guilty? Right. Uh, do I feel guilty for black folks' problems? No. <laughs> I, I, I have to say I don't feel guilty like uh, like I did something wrong. Right. I here's a, here's the thing. This idea of racism it's like a big issue and it comes up in churches again and again. And pastors get around and they talk about it uh, in various and different ways. And it's a hot button topic. And people have strong emotions around it. Um, part of, part of the thing when things become a hot button topic we can make a couple decisions. We can uh, 
uh, uh, back away from things, or we can become a part of yeah. the solution. And so, uh, you know, some of the training that I've gone through uh, to become a pastor, and even my thesis, you know, in, in, uh, at seminary and that kind of thing, focused on some of these uh, issues of diversity, cultural diversity, um, and uh, how we face that and how we deal with that in the church. So let me ask you, you're sitting in a, in a meeting with other white pastors uh -huh. and ministers and things like that. You guys are having a discussion about, you know, what do we do about these black folks? You know, how do we get with them? What do they say? There's a, there's a deep desire to have positive relationships with people uh, mm -hmm. of all cultures and uh, all races. And, and But they uh, won't do it because they think what will happen. You mean uh, white preachers right. won't do it? Right. Why no, I, th I think that white uh, pastors genuinely try. We, gen we genuinely try. And I what happens when you try? Tries. When they try to get with blacks, what happens? <clears throat> For me, I've you know, it's my ministry has been pretty successful. Across you have all cultures. races in your church. Uh, of not the church that I'm at right now, for the most part, yeah, we're a pretty diverse church. Nice and white. Uh, we have uh, <coughs> people from other countries, India and. and right. uh, but let's go back know. to a, a meeting with white ministers, and they're trying to figure out, you know, what do we do, yeah. you know, and you're saying that some of them do feel guilty, right? Mm -hmm. And they feel guilty because. I'm sorry, why do they feel guilty? I think that they feel guilty because there's this desire to have positive relationships and for some reason it's not happening. And at a loss as to why, is, why doesn't it work. Do they say why they think it's not happening? No, not necessarily. They don't really it know. It depends on what group that you go to. All right. Okay. Um, I, you know, there's a, it's a, this is a huge issue. I, I, I bet. That's why I wanted to talk to white ministers to find out what's going on on the other end. Yeah. I know how black ministers think about it, but I don't really know how white people, white ministers feel about this race situation. I think that, uh, like uh, in the Lutheran church, the larger Lutheran body, there's this huge movement of, uh, of training for pastors uh, because it's a predominantly white organization, the Lutheran church. But when you go, as far as pastors, you know, predominantly white, uh, when you go into the uh, congregation, some of them are uh, more diverse than others, but there is a huge movement to, uh, to do training with uh, pastors to help them understand what some of the issues are. And what are, so what are some of the issues? Well, the training that I've seen uh, and that I've been to has to do specifically with this uh, issue of racism. And it becomes a matter of... Uh, helping white pastors or helping pastors understand uh, what is racism, what's it about, um, how does it impact both communities, uh, communities of color and white communities. Do you think that most black pastors are racist? I mean, white pastors are racist? I wouldn't say that, no. No, you don't think they are. So I, this is a difficult uh, thing again. There's, it depends <laughs> on what your definition of racism is. If your definition of racism is um, uh, racism is I don't like someone because of the color of their skin. Um, you, you get into some uh, things, you know. If your definition of racism is that this is a uh, cultural uh, problem that all cultures are trapped in, that uh, white people have uh, uh, gotten trapped in and are jailed by it uh, just as much as anybody else, but that uh, there, there, there's still really freedom from it. 
we're not imprisoned by it. Right. Um, the, 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 the gate is not locked. You can open it and go through the other side. I, I want to tell you what I think the problem is, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong. Okay. I, um, I get the feeling that because black pastors and so-called leaders, the NWCP and others, Jesse Jackson, have accused white pastors so, for so long of being racist, and, and, and even when white pastors try to reach out, they're still called racist. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of white pastors just don't know what to do with black folks. They're so messed up, you know. If you try to be nice to them, you can't do it. You're still a racist. If you're mean, you're still a racist. If you avoid them totally, you're still a racist. So I just think a lot of white ministers are just kind of giving up because they don't know what to do. Am I wrong? I think that you're true, uh, yeah, that you're right on that. I wouldn't say a lot. Uh, but you, I wouldn't say a lot, but you probably have a more accurate uh, well, pulse on it better than I do. <laughs> I know that a I lot. Haven't, I haven't given up, you know. Yeah. But you feel like giving up sometimes. Do I feel like giving up? I, no, I don't. When you go home at night, you think, Lord have mercy, what do I do with these Negroes? No. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I go home at night, though, wishing that I could um, find ways to connect better with people of other communities. Um, you know, I my I have a biracial family, and so uh, I, you know. You mean you do? Yeah, I mean my wife is Cambodian, oh, right? Okay. And so coming from that perspective, and I have a child now who's half Asian, half white. Well, you coming from that perspective, and uh, understanding all my hopes and dreams uh, for my daughter, and for my family, but also um, also knowing that the. Uh, also knowing that there's some barriers too in the relationships between the races yeah. and it's in the culture and it finds itself into the churches too those are the things that I think about you know when I hope for a, a future for my daughter you know when you hold her when you hold your child in your uh, arms at six pounds three ounces and you hope for a good future yeah. um, you do kind of think how is this child going to deal with being, uh, you know biracial and that kind of thing why don't white pastors since they're called by God, mm -hmm. uh, men of God, why don't they just be honest with, white, with black people and say, look, I don't hate you. It doesn't matter what color you are. I'm not against you. I never own a slave. You know, I don't care what your black pastor have told you. I'm not a racist. Mm -hmm. And why don't they just be honest about the situation since they are of truth? Because when you're born, of, when you're called by God, I can't help but assume that you are now of God, I mean you're of the truth, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the truth that's going to set us free. Why don't you just come out of the shell and be honest? I think some pastors do. Um, why don't they come out of the shell and uh, be honest? There's this whole thing of guilt, which you had kind of uh, touched on. Uh, there's this whole thing that's reinforced again and again is I, I have guilt for, you know, uh, all kinds of things, you know, for whatever happens in the black community, I'm at fault. And a lot of white people feel that way, not just pastors. As right. you know, what do pastors do in taking leadership in their congregations? Some pastors make it a point to uh, reach out to the black community. Some pastors feel like it's not a, uh, it's such a hot button topic and too hard to deal with that it, that it gets, it might get in the way of other ministry. But it, if you're a man of God, it should nothing is too hard to deal with. No, uh -uh. because God is there with you to guide you, right? Right. So why would they look at that as too hard to deal with? I'm not sure. Well, I don't look at it that, that way. Next, right. <laughs> I don't look at it that way. Right. But you're right. Uh, um, 
there is there is this issue of uh, a need for transparency, a need for honesty uh, when you're uh, dealing in relation with relationships with folks. Because when the head, I'm under the impression that when the head is weak, mm -hmm. meaning that the head of the church, the, the man, the preacher, mm -hmm. the congregation is weak too. Mm -hmm. It's like the head of a home, the father of the home. When the father is weak, the Bible says the whole household fail. Right. So if the pastor, because he is white, is afraid to open up this discussion, talk about it, and let the world mm -hmm. know, I don't care what color you are, then the congregation is going to be afraid of dealing with it too. Well, a lot of congregations are doing, a lot of white churches are doing that. They're starting to deal with it. Right. I think what you find in um, a lot of uh, churches is that there's this desire to be successful, the desire to see some of these efforts to reach out and all that other stuff to result in numbers, to result in a more diverse congregation, to result in uh, stronger relationships with other churches, uh, you know, that, that end up developing joint collaborative projects. And I think that's where maybe for some pastors some of the frustration comes in because uh, they don't see the results. There are pastors who stand up and say, you know, this is a church for all people, you know. Um, uh, I want to work with the black community. I'll tell you, when I was in Minnesota, there was the Black Ministerial Alliance in Minnesota, and there were white pastors who went to that. And this is in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, after a couple of years uh, of me being aware of that uh, group, uh, that, that Ministerial Alliance decided that white people could not come to those meetings anymore because it was the Black Ministerial Alliance. So there is some frustration, I think, with pastors who do try, who really yeah. do try, and are you, really are trying to open up to the community and trying to speak honestly about it. There is a sense where they get frustrated because it needs to be a two-way street. Yeah, you're right. I was going to say, the one thing I've noticed about a lot of white ministers, when they do join forces with other black ministers, it seems as though the black pastors just say and do whatever they want. They'll stand in the pulpit and call the white people racist, call white ministers racist, but if the white preacher got up and said it, then it would be the, it would burn down the church. It, it would be the end of it. Yeah, and, and, so, and, and so white people live in fear. They won't even stand up and defend themselves. Uh -huh. And I don't know, is it possible to have fear and, and be born again? Is it possible to have fear and be born again? I, well, it depends on who you talk to. You're asking well, me I'm personally. I'm asking you personally. <clears throat> Is it possible to have fear and be of God? How I, how, how I, yes or no? How I see it is, yes or no? We're people who have fear. No, no, no. Let me ask, I'm asking a question about salvation because I read in the Bible. Well, I'll let you answer first. Right. Is it possible to be born again and have fear? We're afraid of things, but in Jesus Christ, when we're anchored in Christ, there's no need for fear. So are you saying yes, it's possible, or no, it's possible? I'm saying I'm, possible. I'm saying that uh, as as Christians, when we walk with God, uh, there's as men and women of God who are born women. again. Right. Is it possible to have fear and be born of God? To be born of God and to have fear. That's like I said. We're people who are afraid of things. People are afraid of snakes, spiders. This is like a theological. Well, I'm not talking about that kind of. I'm not right. talking about like a snake bite. Okay. I'm talking about like a black on white bite. Right. No. Is it possible uh -uh. to have be born of God and have fear? I think that uh, pastors, especially, uh, have a responsibility to live out their faith in such a way, you know, 
Is it possible to be born of God and have fear? I, w I would say again, no. Oh, okay. I mean, you never we, said no. You just. I, <laughs> I know. I'm trying to explain to you. You know. And so here's the thing. My question would be then: If these white pastors are born of God, called by God, God prepared them to deal with anything, right? Right. Whatever comes. So why aren't they bold enough and have enough love for other black pastors to say to them, "I am not your problem. You are your own problem." I don't hate you because of your color. I will not sit in a congregation with you and allow you to degrade me as a white man, accusing me of something I'm not guilty of. Why don't they have that kind of boldness? Well, there's two, there's two things. One of the, one of the things, uh, Jesse, is that um, <clears throat> the past, there are pastors who are doing that. But the churches that they're serving are all white churches. The people who, who uh, would make those accusations aren't sitting in their pews. For the most part, right, right, right. Okay, you're right about that. And and so it, it there, there's not this dialogue that goes on. But they should have it with the people that are making those accusations. Right, who are having those right. accusations, and there are pastors who do that. I can one of the just kind of the interchange that we had just on a matter of theology. There, you know, uh, you know about uh, this idea of being uh, a Christian. Uh, can you have fear if you're uh, born again in Christ and right. that kind of thing? But the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Right, perfect love casts out fear. And so when you're born again, you're born of perfect love. Right. God love is perfect, right? Right. So when you're born again, He cleanses you of all your unrighteousness, meaning that He takes away the fear, the doubt, the worry, the insecurity, right. the right. sin nature. Right. So these, preacher, these white uh, pastors should be living by that. Right. So that when they run into a black pastor who is falsely accusing them, they should love that person enough to say, look, you need to repent. You're your own problem. I don't hate you. But you see how um, you and I agree uh, exactly on that point. Perfect love casts out fear. Right. But did you see how the dialogue had to go for us to get to the point to realize that we have an agreement? You know, and yeah, I because asked you some wouldn't questions. say no straight up. I wouldn't say, because I had a different way of looking at it. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, and so what happens is uh, I had, I, you know, I'm wondering, uh, what do you mean by fear? Do you mean the kind of, uh, you know, what do you mean by fear and that kind of stuff? Well, if I but you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. There's this, the, the way, that, so, so much of theological dialogue, or when we talk about our understandings of God and the Scripture, the way that uh, sometimes we have to work through things, we discover that we have more commonalities and differences. Right. And right. it's just a matter of uh, getting together and sitting here and dialoguing. That dialogue is not happening in churches when it comes to uh, the racial issues. And who fault is it? I think it's everybody's uh, fault. Uh, there's, I, I, I can tell you from my own perspective that I see white pastors make a tremendous effort uh, I've seen it too. To be open to, yeah. to, the, to the community. They do all kinds of, they get in trouble with their congregations because they want to start uh, gospel choirs and they want to start, you know, uh, different kinds of ministries in the church that aren't, aren't traditional with their own congregation. They even go to the, to the point of almost being booted out of their churches in order to try to open up and, and reach out. And I don't blame out. the congregation. I will boot them out too. With the pastors. I will, will boot them out too. I will boot the pastors out. Yeah. You know why? Because what the pastors are doing is catering to a group of people, appeasing, right. mm -hmm. rather mm -hmm. than bringing them. If the pastor is already teaching his original church congregation the truth, and that truth works, it's of God, 
then why change that just to appease to some Other people, people. Right. that you know that don't really want to be with you anyway? Right. Why change? I don't blame the congregation. Right. I wouldn't tolerate that either. Right. Am I wrong? No, I understand. I agree with you. Uh, I understand uh, what you're saying. Um, but and there, what uh, I would, what I'm trying to uh, point out about it is that there are pastors who are trying so hard, and they think that this is what they have to do right. to do it. And so when you ask me what are white pastors doing about it, I'm telling you what they're doing about right, it. Okay. And uh, it, and what I'm telling you is that it doesn't. They, they, they get frustrated because they don't see results to that. You know. Um, well, and the point that you're making is why haven't they just stood up and said, "Hey, wait a minute." You know, this stuff isn't true. That's right. You know, when I was serving the congregation in St. Paul, we had a group that came and met in my uh, church. And uh, it was an inner city congregation and uh, primarily uh, white congregation. Uh, and we had an African-American uh, butalian or some kind of uh, um, like a homecoming group come and meet. And they had meetings with the uh, boys and meetings with the girls. And they had a, a great little uh, party after that. But the thing is, is that I was sitting in my office while they were meeting, and outside in the uh, uh, where where they were meeting, outside of my office where they were meeting, there was a preacher whom I respected tremendously. A black one. A black preacher whom I respected uh, tremendously, uh, and uh, very uh, strong and active in the community. Um, he was saying things that, and I, and he knew I was right there, but he was saying things that. Uh, that weren't true, you know, and I just have to, I, I had to call it out to him like it is. You oh, know, that's, yeah, you corrected well, him. Well, I corrected him. There were boys there, too, and I yeah. said, well, that's not exactly true. Yes. But his message to those boys that day is um, these, uh, and he's a pastor, and what he was teaching those boys that day was um, these uh, uh, white people uh, don't want you to have economic yeah. security. Yeah. Look at what's going on on this side of town. Uh, you know, look what's going on over here. They want to keep you down. They don't want you to have uh, jobs. They don't want blacks to be in business in this community. And from my perspective and from my uh, participation in the community also, there couldn't be anything further from the truth. That's right. But these very well-respected men uh, in the church uh, were leading their people uh, in that direction. But it goes the other way too. We have 30 seconds left in the program and okay. I just want to close it out by s saying to you and, and to the audience that that experience you had with this particular black preacher mm -hmm. is typical in the black community. Mm -hmm. The average black preacher isn't worth a dime. Mm -hmm. He's a racist, he hates white folks, mm -hmm. and he's passing that racism down to his black congregation. And I say that to say that it's not the white man's fault, it's not the white preacher's fault, it's the black preacher's fault, and white preachers need to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming in. <laughs> We're out of time. Welcome to the show. My name is Jesse Peterson. Thank you for tuning in. Let me hear from you. I appreciate emails, phone calls, and letters that we get. Uh, let me know what you think about this program and other shows that you have seen in the past and will see in the future. We appreciate that. Whether you agree or disagree, uh, you know, God wants us to get an understanding. And unless we dialogue together, fellowship together, we would never get the kind of understanding that we need. My uh, guest today, a part two series here, is Pastor Chris Carner. Am I saying that right? He is the pastor of Lutheran Church of the Risen Lord in Odessa, Texas. And uh, I thank you for coming back a second time here.
Um, we talked about why white ministers don't get with black ministers and trying to clear up some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, we said that, you know, they're not sure as to what to do, in essence. I want to move on to some other topics because of time. Um, salvation, what is it and how do you find it? Salvation, what is it and how do you find it? That's a good question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, salvation is that which only comes from God. We have so many ways that, um, as human beings that we try to save ourselves. You know, we, we, we live in a broken humanity. We're separate from God because of our sin, um, because of the, the ways in which uh, we choose to behave and that kind of thing. And um, God had a promise uh, through Jesus Christ uh, to save us. And what is He saving us from? He's saving us from uh, sin. He saves us from uh -huh. death. He saves us from the devil. You know, He saves us... Uh, from all kinds of things. How do you find salvation? How do you find salvation? Yeah. Let's say a, 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 a non-Christian or believer listen to us and they want salvation. What would you recommend? If a non-believer wants salvation, I would, how do they I would pray with them. But how about they, a person that's, you know, you can't get to? They're watching this program. Oh, they're watching this program. Right, and they, they're thinking right now in their bedroom, I need to be saved, something's wrong with me. What would you recommend to them as far as how to find salvation? I would invite them to ask Jesus into their heart. And uh, I would invite them uh, to call on God in whatever way that they can, in yeah. some kind of prayer. Uh, and to ask for God to help them see the way, their way for salvation. Um, when I'm asked that question, and because I am a minister, I am sometimes asked, I always tell people, well, you need to admit that you're wrong first. Uh -huh. You need to say, you know, God, I'm wrong. I'm a sinner. All these things I've done, I'm wrong. Because what I notice is most people cannot admit that they're wrong. And unless you can admit that you're wrong, you can never enter into the to the kingdom of heaven. And so the first step to find the salvation is to admit that you're a sinner, that you're wrong. Am, uh, I, am I wrong about that? No, you're right about that. Oh, okay. Part of, part of uh, being saved, what are you saved from? That's right. If you have no sin, what are you, you know, what are, you know you, the truth's not in you, you deceive yourself. That's, right. That's what the, the apostle Paul said. But did you know that most people cannot admit that they're wrong? They will not, they want salvation even without having to admit that I'm wrong. No, it's true. It is true. There are folks who uh, come to church, too, that uh, have a hard time making those kinds of admissions. In fact, a lot of ministry of uh, pastors is to help people understand the ways in which uh, they're wrong and how that impacts their life and That's how that right. destroys their relationship to God. Um, what's a real man? A real man? real man. The first thing for me uh, that comes to my mind is responsibility. You know, a real man is somebody who is uh, going to be responsible for themselves, um, responsible for uh, the world around them, uh, uh, responsible for their family, you know. Um, I need a good and an evil answer to this question, good or evil. You heard of Jesse Jackson, uh -huh. Reverend Jesse Jackson. Yeah. As a, a, a white pastor, a, a, a man of God, mm -hmm. When you see him, do you think of good or evil? When I see Jesse Jackson? 
I see, I see a mixed bag, you know. And we, you know, uh, I th when I look at anybody, I see uh, a mixed bag. Right, but let's do We're Jesse Jackson. You want to look at Jesse Jackson? Yeah, let's do Jesse. Do you see, see Jesse? Is Jesse Jackson a good man or an evil one? Boy, that's a, it's a hard question. Why? I think. Uh, Why is it hard? I think that it's hard because uh, I don't know the man enough to to be able to say whether he's good or evil. Okay, well, let me give you a few pointers. Okay. Uh, Jesse Jackson cheated on his wife, the Reverend, uh -huh. and he made a baby in that relationship. Did you know about that? Yes, I did. Is that good or evil? That's evil. Jesse Jackson uh, supports abortion, a woman rights to have an abortion. Uh, he supports homosexuality. Um, he has managed to divide the races like no other person in the history of done. Is that good or evil? That's evil. So would Jesse Jackson be a good man or an evil one? He would be a good uh, evil man. He would be a good evil. <laughs> Here, here's here's the deal. When we're looking, when when I look at a lead, someone who's a leader right. and calls themselves a reverend yes. and is supposed to be a leader of a church, right. there's a certain standard. And there is That's a certain right. judgment. Right. So looking at Jesse Jackson, the person, I choose not to judge him. Looking at Jesse Jackson in his office with the, with the title reverend yes. before him, I would have to use the word evil. Evil. You know. Are you bold enough to say that to your congregation too? Jesse Jackson is an evil man and here's why. Yeah, I would be. I mean, if it came up in a conversation. <laughs> well, actually, we have talked about uh, some of the, the things... Uh, uh, some preachers uh, do uh, that that are evil. Is know. it the responsibility of a pastor to do these things, to mm -hmm. point out to the world uh, good and evil? Yes, it is. Because, and, and the reason I ask that too is because I was talking to two young boys earlier, mm -hmm. earlier taping, and they had not realized that Jesse Jackson has done some of the things that he had done and believed in some of the things he's believed in, like abortion and homosexuality and stuff, right? And so I asked, is he a good man or an evil man? And they said he's good. But when I told them some of his actions, the things he's done, they like, wow, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And so if they are not being taught at home about what's really going on, isn't it responsibility of the minister to teach that? To, yes, it is. To uh -huh. tell the congregation so mm -hmm. they won't be deceived by the world? Yeah. Right. Will you, are you bold enough to do that? I, have, we are, I, I am bold enough to do are that. Are you bold enough to do it with a black congregation as well? Well, I haven't been in a, a pastor of a black congregation. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Would you have the same courage if you were speaking to either a mixed congregation or all black congregation? Sure. Are you bold enough to speak sure. to Sure. I think that when you're a pastor and you're in relationship with a congregation, you're given the authority uh, by God to speak the truth in That's love. That's right. That's and so right. you speak the truth because you love them, and you speak the truth in such a way that they can hear it. That's right. You know, and so, we, you know, uh, we talk about these issues, uh, and we do talk about, uh, and I have talked about in my classes and in my congregation, uh, different things that are going on in the world with, uh, with certain preachers and pastors and religious leaders and some of the things that they're leading us yes. into. For example, I'm part uh, of, uh, our denomination is just struggling right now. The Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, which uh, our congregation uh, has uh, a strained relationship with, because we're speaking the truth in love. This is a denomination uh, that has uh, ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, is a, is a denomination that has been uh, pushing uh, same-sex marriage. 
Right. You know, some of the uh, pushing yeah. abor abortion. Do you know their medical plan for pastors pays for abortions, uh, asking no questions. And so, uh, I, I'm more than comfortable to ask those questions in my in my context. Mm. And our congregation is, and uh, and our congregation is standing up and asking why are we supporting uh, 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 ordaining uh, gay pastors who are not who who are who are practicing homosexuals. You know, why are we supporting abortion? Why are we... So those are important questions to be asked, and pastors need to, need to ask it. The uh, prophets are filled with, uh, with stories and with uh, prophecies and, and uh, messages from God to the leaders of God's people. You know, in Jeremiah, he says, Woe to you shepherds who mislead and scatter my flock. That's right. You know, Hosea, That's ta right. Hosea talks about uh, the priests uh, who... Uh, taught and I uh, taught God as God wasn't. Do you know what right. I mean? They taught a God that was not God. Right. They were teaching a golden calf. And so that's what we kind of get into. And when I look at leaders like uh, Jesse Jackson and uh, you know when it comes up in conversations, there is a sense in which uh, in which uh, pastors really need to uh, be willing and open and courageous enough to, to teach their congregations. Why do you think they're not doing it? Who, most white pastors are not doing so, it. As far as most white pastors, um, there's this, uh, the idea of uh, saying something bad about Jesse Jackson. Uh, for a lot of white pastors, that's just a no-no. Why? You know, because he's a black man. Well, he's an evil man. Right. They don't love black people enough to say, look, this man is wrong for you? I, I hear exactly what you're saying. I can't speak for them, you know, but I <laughs> well, understand. What are they concerned about? Now, what would happen if they said Jesse Jackson is evil? He's not good for not only black people, he's not good for anybody. Well, there's... Uh, what do they think would happen? Well, you know, that's not politically correct to say. But you can't be political correct and be a preacher. Right. And that's what uh, that's what the Bible tells us. That's what uh, the, you know. Some of the, we hear it again and again about the requirement that God has of His leaders is not to go with the uh, flow of the culture, not to uh, support uh, lock, stock, and barrel um, the direction that uh, even big name leaders like Jesse Jackson are going in, and, and other uh, preachers who are going in that same direction. Um, and we're we're called to do that. <clears throat> but I think there's a fear also on the uh, recrimination or the uh, consequences that white pastors might face for doing that. Just imagine what would have happened had Jesus had that same fear. Mm -hmm. And where would we be today, you know? Mm -hmm. we, we, Jesus didn't have that fear that's at all. Right. I mean, and when, so, when he saw a Pharisee, he called it a Pharisee. That's right. You know, you brood of vipers, you know. That's right. And so, uh, Jesus was strong. When he went into the temple and they were selling things in the temple, he, o he overturned some tables. That's right. You know. And so the, the white pastors, because I'm telling you, I'm not in, I don't expect that from the black ones anymore. Most of the black preachers are not called by God. They're called by their mama. Mm -hmm. So I don't expect that from them. But I, I expect at this point for white pastors to love black folks enough to tell them the truth and hope that they would go free. Mm -hmm. And if they call them a name, I'm called names all the time. Mm -hmm. I've been called nigger, Uncle Tom, a sellout. I hate women, I hate men, I hate myself, all kind of names, but God put a bubble around me, invisible protective mm -hmm. bubble, and I'm not moved by what people call me. 
I just want the truth to get out because that's what set me free. Mm -hmm. White pastors have to love black enough to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with you. Because at some point, they're going to pay a price for that. So because when you have a ministry, it's just not for you and for your little environment. Mm -hmm. It's for the world to see, to hear and see the right way to go. Am I wrong? I think that you're right. And, uh, and I believe in what you say, that there's a price to be paid if you don't stand up and tell the truth yes. as a pastor. Um, I mean, there's this accountability thing. You have to have a, you're ultimately accountable to God. That's right. And there's a responsibility to be being called into the ministry, and you're going to be held account for what you say and what you do. Abortion is out of control in this country. Uh -huh. Homosexuals are taking over. Mm -hmm. You know, they're destroying the families. They're setting up their own idea of a family. Uh, I participate in rallies a lot, you know, demonstrating and trying to bring attention to this issue in order to get the awareness of the people mm -hmm. so that they can get involved. I notice that a lot of white pastors, again, the black ones don't do it either, but I notice a lot of white pastors don't get out and make a lot of noise about anything. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Why don't a lot of white pastors get out and make yeah. a lot of noise about anything? You know, this is... Am I right about that, though, or am I wrong? No, you're, you're a little bit wrong. I'm wrong. Yeah. White pastors get out and protest and make noise. They, uh, they may not protest on uh, the side that supports... And I can't speak for all white pastors. I'm speaking for my right, own Right, but experience. when I turn the news on, TV on, I see the homosexuals protesting. I see the abortion people protesting mm -hmm. because they want to destroy their family, right? Yeah. And I see a few Christians get out there to try and do something about it. But rarely do I see, if any time, I see ministers bringing their flops out, saying, come on, let's go out and shine some light into this situation. Right. Why is that? I, or am I wrong again? I think that I hear what you're saying. What I mean when I said that you're wrong, I see a lot of, uh, and I come from the Lutheran Church of uh, uh, Risen Lord, and so I'm, I'm speaking from that perspective. Uh, and in the denomination that we are at this point loosely affiliated with, uh, what, I, what I am seeing are uh, uh, the folks who are going out and making some noise are making some noise on the wrong side of the issues from our perspective yeah, you're at right. our congregation. You're right. But so we want to get them on the right you side. Wanna, <laughs> we have to get them on the other side. But they're not going to do it if the pastors don't lead them. And you're, there are reasons. There's reasons for it. And speaking from a denominational perspective, uh, which we need to get out of right. because, because there's so much fear attached to it. Yes, uh, the reason why a lot of these pastors aren't doing it is because they're afraid of what uh, their, their head pastor of their district is going to do to them. So if, fear again. Fear. Mm -hmm. So you can't love the world and love God too. No. You know, because you've got to let one go. If you're afraid well, of you what you... You can't serve two masters. That's right. I think we're called to love the well, when you're on the side of in God, in the same way that God loves you. That's world. right. When you're on okay. His side, you will. And so, when you're on His side, you'll go out and do what's right, and it doesn't matter what your minister or anyone else is going to say about right. it. You can't help yourself. Right. That's not happening. It's unfortunately, it's not. And why? Uh, cowardice. I don't know. Weakness. I'm not sure why. Isn't that amazing? I've been. I have been uh, distraught in uh, in some of the issues that you brought up, like abortion. Uh, like I said, homosexuality uh, has been overtaking my own denomination. Uh, what are you doing about it? We, we are uh, protesting it. Uh, oh, you are? Yeah. We're you get out and make noise? We're protesting it, yeah. So you lead your congregation, right. come on 
We're not going to sit back and let say, it Say, look, this, this coming Saturday, uh, well, we protest it. We're, we, we have made it Good very clear you. to every uh, church in the country <laughs> that's uh, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, ELCA, we made it clear to all of them that, uh, that we're against it. They know who we are. And uh, they didn't want me to come to this church uh, because of the stand that I've taken and that I've promised to lead the congregation uh, in these directions. Uh, but the church called me anyways. Uh, and, um, and that's caused some problems. So we're protesting as a congregation. This whole issue with abortion, we're protesting. Uh, this Saturday uh, evening, we'll be having a, uh, a memorial uh, in, in memory of the children, 150 children every hour in the United States who died to abortion. Right you know? on. And uh, these are some of the things that we're doing as a congregation, but I can't, all I can tell you is that I cannot speak uh, for every other congregation. I could tell you what I'm doing. Have you tried to get other ministers to join forces with you? Um, My relationships with ministers here haven't gone so far into this uh, community act activity or Why activism. not? I've been here in Odessa just for a few months oh, I see. and haven't really gotten into it. Oh, okay. And there are some ministers who would really, and white ministers too, who would really uh, be supportive and uh, go, go and uh, support us and make some noise. Um, what, how we, where we find ourselves as a congregation and our denomination is isolated from the other uh, ELCA congregations and that where I could have uh, counted on the other ELCA congregation across town to join me and be a part of me uh, uh, a part of my congregation and to join us and be a part of us uh, what we're finding is that uh, they, they would uh, <clears throat> they come out on a different side of the issues yeah. not the congregation the pastors right. and what you'll find is that uh, what, you're, what we're seeing is that pastors are misleading congregations and if you were to take a vote in the congregation it would not be where the pastor is leading them. You know? um, I want to go and talk about the family in the next seven or eight minutes we have left. I've noticed that most men, not all of course, but most men are weak, mm -hmm. pathetic, poor excuse of, 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 a, <laughs> of men, of a man. Am I wrong about that? Most men? I don't know. I know a lot of pretty good fellows that are strong men that really stand up and take responsibility and lead their families uh, you know, make Maybe sure. Maybe that's just a black thing, man. Make sure that they're connected to the, you know, to to God, and that they are part of a community. Have you and, noticed that in the black community, most men are weak, pitiful, poor excuse of a man? It's hard for me to judge. Okay, let me give you some examples. Mm -hmm. I like it when you say that. It's hard for me to judge. So <laughs> give me some examples. Seventy percent of black babies are born out of wedlock. Mm -hmm. Is that an example of a strong man or a weak one? No, it's a weak man. 90% uh, uh, of black Americans vote for the Democratic Party, and the party itself goes against what God is about, mm -hmm. and that is support the party, not all Democrats. Right, right, right. They support abortion, homosexuality, cheating on your wife. Remember Bill Clinton? Yeah. Cheating on your wife and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the men allow that to happen. Is that an example of a strong man or a weak man? That's, that's a weak man. Jesse Jackson can walk into the average black man's church today and get a standing ovation. Mm -hmm. Is that an example of a strong man or a weak man? The people who are standing, uh, in, right. that's weak. So would you agree with me that most black men are weak, pathetic, poor excuse of a man? 
Well, if what I'm saying is true, if what you're saying is true, I would I would agree with what your assessment is. Why do you think men are weak? Men. Uh, Those that are weak. You know, there's been this movement in the United States, a uh, uh, feminism movement. Right. And so we have 30, 40 years, maybe I'm overestimating it, but we have uh, plenty of years of uh, uh, schools teaching our boys uh, untruths about what it means to be a man. Yeah. Uh, we have plenty of years of churches wanting to be politically correct, That's teaching right. our boys, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, because of some of these ideologies. And when you look in the Bible, it has many strong fathers, you know. Yeah, Jesus, right. call, Jesus called God Father, you that's know, right. Daddy. And uh, there's all these examples of many, many strong fathers. But that's um, why God wants us to teach it in the home first. Mm -hmm. You know, get married. First, love God with all your heart, soul, and might. Mm -hmm. Get married and guide your children in the right way to go. So when they go out into the world, the world can't influence them like that. They may stray a little bit, but they'll come back to you. And I think that it's, uh, you know, the, uh, the weakening of the family that's been going on uh, over all these years uh, and the effects of that have just been tremendous. You're right. What uh, kind of man would allow the world to weaken his family? What kind of man would allow the world to weaken his family? Right. A weak man, <laughs> didn't you just say? But uh, yeah, a you weak know they man. send their children off to public schools every yeah. day, knowing the corruption that's going on there. They send them off to these churches that know, and they know the corruption that's going. You know, why would they sacrifice their children to mm -hmm. the world like that? Well, we just say a week. It's 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 tragic, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, it I is. Mean, it really is. Tragic. I, I deal with it every day. It's terrible. Yeah. It's evil. And for, and for some reason, uh, it's become the way of doing business for us here in our society. Um, in the last few minutes we have left, let's talk about some solutions. What's the solution to this madness that's going on? You know, white preachers are afraid to talk to blacks. Blacks hate whites because their preachers have told them to stop. Abortion is out of control. Everything is out of control. How, how, how can we bring all this back to order again? That's going to take... It's going to take some power of the Holy Spirit. But what are the steps to get in there? I think that uh, conversation or uh, teaching and conversation in the church needs to begin happening. Yes. That uh, supports um, biblical directions for family, biblical directions for uh, um, uh, our society. Yeah. You know what we find. We we need to get back to some of the old old-fashioned teaching. You know, we're carried away so much with ideologies and what this group thinks and uh, this special interest group and that special interest group, and churches are and pa a lot of pastors are too. And uh, I think the church can be a tremendous uh, uh, catalyst uh, for doing that. But I think that it has to start with our preachers and our teachers and our pastors and our leaders. I'm under the impression, and you can correct me, that uh, it has to start in the home first. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe in that spiritual order, and I don't know if you believe this or not, of God and Christ, Christ and man, mm -hmm. man over woman, and woman over children. Mm -hmm. And it starts there first, mm -hmm. and then trickle out into, down into the community, mm -hmm. 
to the churches. Am I wrong with my impression? No, you're absolutely right. It does start there first, but someone has to start teaching that it starts that's there. That's right. And that's, that's the right. responsibility of the pastors. It absolutely does start there first, but I think that there's uh, this thing of we don't want to tell people what to do in their homes. We don't want to give people guidelines for how to live. We uh, want people to come to church on Sunday morning and feel good and happy. We don't want to give them standards to yeah. live by. And that's what is happening in a lot of churches. And, and uh, if we reclaim the uh, Word of God and teach it as ministers, as pastors, um, and if we show fathers and mothers how to do that in their own family, because, because see, this, this family disintegration has already happened. And who is there to begin, te begin teaching, reteaching again? Were you raised families? by both parents, father and mother? No. Who, oh, you were I not. was raised by my, my mother. Where was your dad? He was, my parents had divorced. You know, my dad was uh, a couple miles down the road. And Did you have a relationship with him? Yes. Uh -huh. Oh, so you, 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 you and were he, not kept away from him? No, and my dad was always there for me. He, you uh, were close to him? He put me through college. You know, oh, he okay. took care of me. Good. So you, know, you love your dad. Yeah. And, and you love your close. mom. I love my mama too. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I love my daddy and my mama. <laughs> how can people get in contact with? I mean, someone in town they want to visit your church in Thirty Second. How can they get to you? Uh, we're located at sixteen oh three Grandview. That's at the corner of Grandview and Twenty uh, First here in Odessa. Uh, they can reach us at the church office at three six two two five four nine, or you can email me at pastorc at lcrl.org. All right. Well, I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you coming in today. Thank you. I had a good talk. How did you feel about the talk? I enjoyed my time yeah, with you. I did. You. The fellowship was good. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back next week. Have a good one. It's done. My name is Jesse Lee Peterson. I am founder and president of a nonprofit organization called Bond, the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny. And our purpose is to rebuild the family by rebuilding the man. There's a perfect order to life. That order is God in Christ, Christ in man, man over woman, and woman over children. We deal with all people because uh, the things that we're talking about are spiritual things, which applies to all of mankind. And in the black community, we uh, focus, our primary focus is on the man. Uh, I have a book out called From Rage to Responsibility, an excellent book for all people, From Rage to Responsibility. Uh, we have a newsletter that we put out every other month. You can contact us at 1-800-411-2663, 1-800-411-BOND. Our web is www.bondinfo dot org b-o-n-d-i-n-f-o dot o-r-g for an audio or video copy of this program please call or write the address on the screen please include the program number when ordering